morning everyone you know i think guys just pile pressure on you when they introduce you like that i mean is it really even fair it's not i mean because you are like so human and then someone is giving this cv or tempted to look back but since you're supposed to be the main speaker you have to look like a you're with it sindio i mean kunavile let's pray Father, I'm just so thankful for the privilege that we have to sit at your feet this morning to hear the things that you have prepared for us. Lord, I know I've always said this, but I want to say it again, that it's not a coincidence that we are the ones who are here before you this morning. It's because you had prepared to talk to us and you're meeting with us this morning. So Lord, won't you open our hearts to hear your voice? Lord, if there's any hearts here that are hardened because of the issues of the world that have walked over it. How I pray as they sit under the ministry of your word that their hearts may be softened, O oh Lord, that the word that will fall down will not be taken away by the enemy. Lord, if there's anyone here whose heart is full of stones because things have come and they've caused a hardening to happen in the heart, Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you may loosen those rocks that they may fall off so that our hearts may be ready to receive from you. Lord, if the cares of this world, if the temptations and the desires of this world have come and created thorns, so that, Lord, we are not able to hear from you, so that when your word comes in, Father, it is choked up. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that these thorns may dry up. They may be swept away, King of glory. How I pray, Lord, that our hearts, our minds, our souls, even near our bodies, Father, which you will quicken, Lord, will be ready, will be like that good ground that receives your word and bears fruit. And now may your grace and anointing fall upon us, even as you speak to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen. That was almost a sermon in itself. I would have asked to pass the offering again. So my name is Lucy, for those who may not know me. Um, it's a privilege to be here again, to worship with you, to share the word with you. Actually, today we'll be having conversations of faith more than anything else. And I really, really thank God. It's always such an honor to be with you guys. Um, while I was sitting there, um, your pastor asked me, do you want to have music in the background when you're preaching? And I was like, oh, okay, there's normally music, eh? So I figured, do I ask you guys, do you want to have music in the background? Mtaskia more spiritual, eh? Ama? Ama? Ama tutu mwache juwa me practice? Sindio? Aki ataeza catch. Sindio? Ataeza catch. So we just let you. Asi catch. Okay, so you go on, eh? Kunalo alikuwa me shake head too much yeni asikachi. Imagine a mekapo. Imagine to kimwambia kaichi ni saizi. And maybe his girlfriend is like around here. I, I, how does that end up looking like? I mean, it's like really bad, eh? By the way, your pastor is the one who was really clapping the most. Your story ya kuwa ongelewa. He was clapping the loudest. So siju kama ni faith. Amen. God has heard your prayers. So when faith falters, 
Last week, um, Alex shared about faith faltering because of things that we do ourselves, yeah? When sin comes into our lives and our faith falters, and he used Samson as a very powerful example. Today, I'm going to mix up a little bit of those things, yeah? And I want us to just have conversations about faith. The thing about God is he's a really real God, just in case you missed out there. Kama uluko umeitisha, Google, is God real? He's a real God, yeah? Dealing with real people, you and I, about real issues. And faith is really one big issue. Um, yesterday I was in a CG meeting and the guy who was sharing was talking about visions. And he was saying he's never had a vision. So yeah, kiongea mambo ya visions and I imagining ni kama movie, you know? Inakuja, you're somewhere and you're watching it in 6D. Sindio? And then you can, hey God, anakuja naleta kikitu. And then you feel I'm in the presence of the Lord. You know, and something else. I found that really dramatic. I nearly laughed out loud because I don't think visions are anything like that. I think it's a bit kind of more boring like that. But it's okay. We'll stick to the movie version for now. What I'm using that example for is sometimes we almost don't know what faith is. eh? And some of us have really some romanticized versions, like the 6D version of the vision. Yeah, We have a really romanticized version of what really is faith? So that even when we are having this conversation of faith faltering, I mean, sometimes you don't even know if you are having faith or not. I mean, am I having faith? Now that I'm expecting something to happen, is that faith or is that hope? What, what, what really is faith? So when I'm saying faith is faltering, what am I really referring to? So my sermon today is... Uh, technical failures, I want us to just read a verse in the book of John chapter 1, and that will form the basis of our conversation today. John chapter 1, John chapter 1 and verse 5, I think, yeah, verse 5. John chapter 1, verse 5, before that, there's an intro about the word of God, him becoming flesh and him being the light of men. And then in verse 5 it says, that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. So that is going to be the basis of our conversation today. And we are going to see where we are headed with this. So today I'm going to do this conversation theologically. So to tembe pole pole pamoja, and we see where we'll end up with this. Okay. Faith. What does really faith mean for us? Let us look at the most common example of Abraham. Yeah? So in Genesis chapter 14, 15, thereabouts, coming to 16, God shows up and tells this guy that he's going to make him a father of many nations yeah and they have this conversation before that and he's telling God since you've not given me a son I think my servant is gonna inherit my property and God says "Mm -mm, I'm actually going to give you a son not just a son I'm going to make you a father of many nations and then the Bible really says this powerful thing that almost trips all of us he says Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as as 
as righteousness. So is faith believing in God? Note in the book of James, the Bible says, even the demons believe God is there and they tremble, isn't it? So is it about only believing? What constitutes faith? So we see this story of Abraham as common as it is. He believes God, he hangs out with God outside there, he counts the stars, yeah? And they're having this conversation. If you can count the number of stars, that's what I'm going to give you. And so he has this time with God. And something is planted within him and the journey begins. So there's a season or another that God says something to you. Maybe it's at the point of salvation. He says, I want you. I want to save you. I want to give you a new life. See, that's a word God has spoken to you. And you come to the front with that word, with that faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet received. So when you're coming here to say, I believe I can be made new, are you really changing physically on the externals? But there's something that is happening inside of you. And the fact that you are believing it's happening despite the fact that it can't be seen by anybody else, that constitutes something called faith, yeah? Kidogo theology. Kidogo, we are getting deep. We want to see what we believe. Sindio? So we hear from God. So some of us could be very deep to vitu na God. We are hanging on to them and we are fighting for them. For some of us, the most we've heard from God is, I love you. Or, the old is gone and the new has come. Just when you got born again. And that's the word you believe in. And you're fighting because you've heard something from God. So what happens to the story of this guy? So after he has heard this and he believes, he goes back home. He has done the, the, the whole shepang. Oh, I'm a changer. He's chased the birds of prey. God has come and made a covenant with him. You've come to the front. You've given your life to Jesus. You've been laid on hands. A word has been spoken. You are commissioned. Something has happened. And then you go. And then they hang out and they hang out and they hang out and some years pass and Sarah is not getting any children. So this Sarah comes to her husband and tells him, you know what? God has kept me from having a child. Why don't you? And then she gives him a, a plot. Why don't you do this? And Abraham listened. And for the next 14 years, all the way to chapter 16, God was silent. God never spoke to him in the ears of Ishmael. And then there's this guy in the book of Luke chapter 8. He's called Jairus. By the how comes Is there anyone called Jairus here? Do you know anybody who's named their child Jairus? Is something wrong with that name? So Jairus comes to Jesus and Jesus seems to be taking long because while he's come and talked to Jesus about his his daughter who is about to die, this woman with an issue of blood comes and touches him and I'm sure Jesus is aware that child is an emergency because he's already been told she's at death's door. Yeah? But he takes time, who has touched me? Oh, oh, oh. And I'm imagining if Jairus 
because he was a church leader, probably he would have been doing his watch like, is this guy aware of what is happening? Yeah? And while Jesus is still busy dealing with other things, the baby dies, the child dies, and somebody comes and tells him, don't bother. Somebody comes and speaks into that desperate situation. What am I trying to bring out? There's a time that God speaks to you, and there's a journey that happens in between before he comes and acts. What happens to you after the amen and the actualization? That journey is the journey of faith. When you say amen, until the actualization happens. Will you allow me to use the example of a pregnant woman? The day you conceive is not the day you give birth. You have nine solid months to ache, to have back pains, to lose your shape. But in all of that, the key thing is life is, going, is growing in you. Between the amen and the actualization, therein is what we call faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Have you seen your child yet when you're pregnant? Have you? But there's something that makes you believe I am a mother already. Isn't it? You say I'm a mother to be or I'm a father to be. How do you know? How do you know? Because something is happening, isn't it? Men, you don't have the benefit of feeling pregnant. You don't have the benefit of carrying the child in your womb like the woman does. Yeah. I'm sorry for the this. So the man doesn't have the benefit of carrying the child. So what makes him believe about this pregnancy? What makes him say, I am a father to be? What makes him wait? All those months. You know those months before you can feel the first kicks of the child? See, there's a season none of you can see or feel anything. Well, except maybe the bad side effects. There's that season. In Yakushikwana style. <coughs> so, yeah. So, there's that season where you can't see anything, but you know. And there's that season before the baby kicks, and you can tell the father, touch ya, touch ya. He kicked, he kicked. Before there's that, Sorry, maybe some of you have not experienced that. It happens, eh? The first car kick. Oh my God, the baby kicked. You know, like in the movies, it doesn't happen like that. Actually, what you do, what's wrong? What is happening? You know, and then you realize, oh my God, oh my God, it's true. This really life, the baby kicked. FB, IG, everything, everything. The baby kicked. Yeah? I took one, and the baby kicked times ago, but well. So, what am I trying to say? There is those, that season. And the thing about it is, we have become a generation of people who want to get pregnant today and give birth tomorrow. We want to say our amen today and God must bring that baby tomorrow morning. Isn't that so? Isn't that so? You want to get a girlfriend today, you want to get a boyfriend today, but you have no patience to rebuild, to build a solid friendship 
that is going to be a solid foundation for your marriage. What you want to do is rush the fire between you, get to bed, get married, and then wonder why three years into the marriage, now that the chemistry has fizzled out, it isn't working. We have become a generation that does not want to work. That is why we are quick on miracles and short on the word of God. We want to wake up and press that button. And suddenly all the things that we want will happen. In fact, we think God owes us because we got born again. He owes me this and that. He owes me that and that. So between our amen and the time that God has given for that journey, for that process to happen, we listen to the voices around us. You listen to your own voice. You listen to the voice of your friend. You listen to everything around you except the voice of God. What did Jairus do when the people came and spoke to him? He turned to Jesus, didn't he? And what did Jesus tell him? From uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 41 onwards, towards the end, Jesus turns to him and tells him, Do not be afraid, just believe. Do not be afraid, just believe. God spoke to the core need. The core need in Jairus' heart was not that his daughter be alive. The thing is, he was afraid. He was afraid to lose her. It says she was the only girl that he had. He had fear in his heart. And God looked at him straight into the eye and addressed his need and said, Do not be afraid. Just believe. So what happens when we start hearing the noises around us. Jairus chose to stick to God and he bore some fruit out of it. We are going to look into the life of David and we are going to work through and see how does that fit within us. So our conversation today, now that we have founded it on the story of Abraham and Jairus, as we do our amen and wait for the end, I want us to look at how David dealt with his Psalms, chapter 63. Psalms 63. So our someone is actually going to be there. So David is in the wilderness. So what has happened? Samia's back, a son of his, has gone and raped a daughter of his. We know the story of Tama, isn't it? And David was told, your son has raped your daughter. Did David do anything? He keeps quiet. So Absalom, Tamar's sister, is mad about his father. And he thinks in his heart, I'll avenge my sister one day. And he keeps quiet and he bides his time. And what does he do? Over time, he begins to steal the hearts of the Israelites from David, his dad. In the book of Chronicles, some Bible history, in the book of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 17, God had given David a promise that he's going to establish his household. So we are seeing here a shaky home. David has not done what he needs to do. He's not stood for the principles that he should as a father. And the foundations of his home are shaking. So the promise that God gave him is like now looking is shaking. Meanwhile, his son has gone 
and he's stolen the hearts of Israel. And once he's finished stealing the hearts of the Israelites, he overthrows his dad. So when David is writing this psalm, he's in the wilderness of Judea. He's been thrown out by his own birth son. And he's aching from the mistakes that he did and the mistakes of his son. So he's in this catch-20 place. And he's hearing a lot from the people around him, from his son. There's accusation. The people who threw words at him when he was leaving Jerusalem, he's hearing a lot. And what does he do? In verse 1, I'll read it, then we'll come back and just discuss it. Allow me to read it all the way to verse 11 instead of calling someone to do it. He says, God, you're my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I'll praise you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up your hands, my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. Your mouth will, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the watches of the night because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. But those who seek to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become the jackal's prey. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by him will boast. For the mouths of liars will be shut. So you've said your amen. And you must bear out the journey of your faith. So David got his promise and now he's living easy, waiting for God to establish his home because that's what God told him. I will build a household for you. I will establish your name from everlasting to everlasting. That was the promise that David got given. I don't know what the promise is that was given to you. It could just be you are now born again. Maybe it's not much. But you have said your amen and you've opened your eyes and lo and behold, you are in the land of the living. And in the land of the living, faith gets tested. In the nine months of that baby's life being formed, before it comes to birth, that mother gets tested. And how do you respond to that season what happens when you ache when you cannot see where things are going when your son has overthrown you when you're in a dry and desolate land now Israel has not always been desolate when they were coming in into the land of Canaan from Egypt it was a land flowing with milk and honey but God had told these guys you guys if you go in and if you sin even the land will become cursed. So we are beginning to see at this time that the land is slowly beginning to feel the effects of the sinful nation. It still has a righteous king. But right now, if you go to Israel, you'll be shocked. It's so dry. Kitengela kando. kitengela? Eh? Kitengela kando. And if you're from Kitengela, please don't catch feelings. It gets dry. It gets dusty 
and the sand is so fine, it gets onto your face throughout. So it's not just dry, it's also hot. So I want us to imagine where David was. From the comfort of the palace, he's in this dry and desolate place. It's a place he's not lived for years. It's some discomforts and pains. He has no clue how to deal with them. He does not know what to do. And we are there many times. Maybe we've taken ourselves in that desolate place by our own sin, like Samson did. Sometimes it's the sin of others, like Absalom, that has taken you in that place. But what do we do? David does something really unique. He says, God, you are my God. Eagerly, earnestly, I seek you. The song says, my soul is thirsting for you in a dry and weary land. Honestly, I seek you. Whose voice do you listen to when you're in your dry and desolate land? Whether it's a dry and desolate land of sin or it's a dry and desolate land of need. The truth of the matter is we don't press on to God. We turn our backs to him. Where was God when was this, this was happening? If I'm truly born again, why am I struggling with this sin? If God said he'll do this, why isn't he doing it? And then there are Sarah's in our lives saying, I am not yet pregnant. There are men coming to say, the son, the child is already dead. The daughter, sorry, is already dead. Who do we press on to? And you know what happens to most of us? We go to Google, we go to IG, we go to Facebook, we talk to our friends, except the person who gave us the promise. True or false? Because we are angry at him. We wanted him to press the button. We wanted to get pregnant today and give birth tomorrow. David had every right to feel God has failed me. He promised to establish my household from everlasting to everlasting. I'm in the wilderness, Lord. Is this the everlasting you spoke to me? Is this the ministry you promised me? Is this the job you promised me? Is this the salvation you promised me? And I want to go back to that first verse. The light shines in darkness. And darkness has not overcome it. What that verse is telling us is that there are lights that can be overcome by that darkness. What am I trying to say? Listen. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the dark realms. So if it's sin in your life, it's a darkness. If it's a need in your life, it's a darkness. But there is a light that can shine upon it and the darkness will not be able to overcome it. But those other lights that you're chasing will be overcome. They will be overcome by the darkness. Because those lights are lights from this world, isn't it? How many times have you gone and read good memes on the internet and they made you feel good for a while and then you went back home and you still fought with that issue? How many times have you sat with your friends and they've done the pity party with you 
and you've gone back home with promises that it will be A, B, and C. And you got back home and the situation was still staring at you straight in the eye. I'm still here. Deal with it. But there is a light that shines upon that darkness. And that darkness cannot overcome it. What light have you been leaning on? What light? Who is giving you the strength to fight that sin issue? Who's giving you the strength to wait after your amen? Who do you speak to? But do we want to speak to God? Do we want to be like David? David just didn't even go and say, Oh God, by the way, kuna vile nimeshika muisho. Do this or I backslide. Or kuna vile, if you're not dealing with me, let me just take this method that I've been given. You need money and you're straight, you're stressed out. You said amen and the money didn't show up magically. There's rent to pay. There's school fees to pay. Maybe you have a child. Yeah. Maybe your parents are struggling. Maybe you're pregnant even. Yeah. And you said you are amen. David didn't just go sit. The Bible says, I thirst for you. My body faints for you. In a land that is dry and desolate, he's pressing in. He's hungering. When are you going to wake up a hunger for God? Matthew, the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter 11, verse 12, thereabouts says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We are not going to be comfortable Christians and expect the things we desire of God to happen to us. We must be hungry. We must be thirsty. We must be willing to fight for those things. But if you want to be comfortable in your faith, I guarantee you that is what you are going to see. And not only will you falter, you will fall off from your faith. The kingdom of God suffers violence. Where have you been watching that sin situation in your life, making your faith falter, and you are still mollycoddling it like it's a baby that you are going to have something good out of? And you are still complaining about God not coming through. This God that you believe in, are you aware He's the God who created the universe? and named all the stars, which the scientists can't even name. But you're not going to believe him that he's capable of paying for the things that you need so that you have to go bribe, so that you have to go look for a godfather. Is this the faith that God is asking us to hold on to? Is that the faith you want? He challenged us in the book of Revelation. You either get hot or you stay cold. Because if you're lukewarm, he'll spit you out. Lukewarm stuff never works. Just watch those shoshes at home. Unampelekea kachai kako hivi hivi. Anakuambia misi kunyuangi chai kama Ichemshe ikwe moto. Mpaka the cup is not holdable. That's the God we serve. He'd rather know you are out there. But you are not fence sitting. What happens after your Amen when you have to wait. So two weeks ago, we were celebrating World Suicide Day. Weren't we? You know why we were celebrating it? 
Because it's become something celebrating. Worth celebrating. Yeah? And why do we celebrate it? Because we have reached somewhere. We have believed God can't. We don't even look to him. We don't even press to him. We have issues. We are struggling. We post them on IG. Sometimes we even lie what is happening in our lives. We talk to our friends. Our friends are good to talk to. But wherein, how many of us are hungering for a different kind of life? How many of us are hungering to grab, to get a good hold of that faith that they have had? Do you even hunger for it? Or are you hungering for something else? Are you hungering to be known? Are you hungering to be rich? Are you hungering to be popular? Are you hungering for a good shape? And you know what? When that depression comes, that comes, that light, the light of your good shape, the light of the popularity you have, the light of those 40,000 likes on your Facebook page cannot overcome that darkness. It cannot. It's not going to be able to do that. And you know what? When you stepped out of your boat and looked out to God and said, I believe, like Peter, you are meant to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus the other and the finisher of your faith. Because the storm was still going to blow. The storm still blows. It was still blowing while he was walking. But the minute he took his eyes from Jesus and looked around, he began to sink. We've taken our eyes from Jesus after we have said our amen. And we have put our eyes on everything except God. And we are wondering why we are sinking. And you know what depression is? You know what hopelessness is? It's reaching a place where you cannot control what is happening within you and you cannot control what is happening outside of you. So you fall and you fall and you fall deeper and deeper and the hole gets darker and darker. And Jesus is stretching out his hand. But you have put all these other things around you. You have put Facebook. You have put, you have put friends. You have put boyfriend. You have put love. Human love. So you cannot even see God. And so you sink deep. And you know what Satan comes and tells you? End it. End it. That's why we are celebrating it. Because we've begun hearing every other voice except the voice of God. And we have believed God can't. End it. There's only one person in the entirety of God's creation who has his destiny set out. And that's Satan. He has no hope. His destiny is carved out. He's going to destruction. And he means to carry out as many of us into that destruction. You have a place of choice. And he speaks into your ear and says, end it. Because you know once you cross over, you really haven't ended it. You've started eternity in hell. You had time to make a choice here. But where did you keep your eyes? David presses on. He thirsts. In fact, his, his body grows faint. Yeah, there are times you will wait on God until your body grows faint. But that's faith. That's faith. That's faith. 
And he says, in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. And as he grasps that promise, verse 2, he says, so I gaze on you. He doesn't look unto anything else. I gaze on you in the sanctuary. And what does he see? To see your strength and your glory. You will not find that strength. You will not find that glory anywhere else. And David sees it in the wilderness. Come on, guys. That's not where you are going to get it. Not even if you sleep with her 30 years. It ain't going to make you any more of a man. It's not going to get out that pain, that wound, that injury. It's not going to make your love stronger. It's not going to make your relationship any more powerful. He says, I gaze on you. From that wilderness, in the sanctuary. And I'm telling you, the wildernesses of Judah are not anything to laugh about. And as he does that, what happens? In verse verse 3, it says, my lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. He sees something nobody else can see. What are you seeing? What did Joseph see that Moses didn't? What did Joseph see that Abraham didn't? What did Daniel see that these guys didn't? They saw something. That is why they stood strong in their faith. What are you seeing? Are you pressing in? What did Jairus see that he stuck there? He didn't chuck and say, oh, my child has died. Let me go. Why did he stay put? What are you seeing? Have you pressed in until you can see? Do you want your life to be different? To hold that promise in your hands? And he says, because your faithful love is better than life. So something more wakes up. And in verse 4, he says, so I will praise you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. How many of us have been in the church service and you are told, praise God despite your situation. And you are there just going, amen, Lord, I praise you. Amen, Lord, I praise you. And you are wondering things are not shifting inside. Why aren't they shifting? Because that's not the praising God is talking about. I cannot come here and I keep telling Katie, Katie, you're good. Aki, you're good. Katie, you're good. Aki, you're good. Katie, you're good. Katie, you're good. Aki, Katie, you're good. Katie, you're you're really good. Katie, Katie, you're good. Katie, 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 you're good. You know, we kind of deal with God like that. I mean, can you imagine by evening after I've been repeating that same thing, what, what he'll be feeling like doing to me? If he survives not slapping me, then hallelujah. There's something you see that makes you praise God. And praising God is something like this. Katie. You know, you really hurt me on Tuesday in the office. But you know what? Just the fact that I have a desk mate next to me and it's not so lonely in the office, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for that day you carried my bags and my back was really aching. So it kind of like makes me think, okay, you're still okay despite the fact that you hurt me. 
I'm thankful for that day you opened the door for me and you shared with me how you want to be a man of honor. I know what you're telling me about being a man of honor doesn't reflect what you did today. But I think you're an honorable man. I think you're a, you're a great guy and you're going far. Honest conversation. So God, you said, um, I'm going to go to school and um, it's been four years. And the only option remaining for me here is being a house help. And um, today morning, that woman came and hugged me. I don't think it has anything to do with the jobs, but I never thought somebody of that caliber could talk to me. So I guess you're still working. So thank you for something little that lifted my spirit. And you begin to have that conversation with God. And you begin to pick on the things that he's doing. And you begin to see him in his glory. And you begin to realize that his love is better than life. And so praise rises from your heart. And as you praise him, David says this, You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I want to quote something, even as I say about that rich food. There's one great guy who said, if all you have can be bought by money, then you're poor indeed. If all you have can be bought by money, then you're poor indeed. There is something you apprehend when you begin to see God in his glory. And he satisfies you as if it were rich food that you were eating. So you could still be in your torn dress. You could be in those shoes that you've mended 30 times. But there's something that has happened. That has satisfied you more than were it the rich foods. Because what God gives goes beyond what we can apprehend with our own hands. And then he continues. He says in verse 6, When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. Now this is not something romantic. You know, sometimes we read this and it feels very romantic. It's not romantic to have insomnia because of problems. And David had insomnia, probably because the ground was really hard. Yeah? So before we romanticize and say, oh, in the middle of the night, Lord, in the watches of the night. You know what it means in the watches of the night? Every hour that is passing, he's awake, sorting things out in his head. In that moment of deep desperation, he meditates. He thinks about God. He, he forces himself to dwell on him because the sounds and the voices and the noises are many he says I meditate on you in the watches of the night what happens in that space of darkness when you're alone after you finished going through your phone you've, you've checked all your updates you know you've done everything and you're alone did it light your darkness it didn't. 
But David here is showing us a better way. He says, in the watches of the night, I meditate on you. And then he realizes something. And this is where I'm taking us. Because you're my helper, I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. And listen to this. Your right hand holds on to me. It does not say your right hand holds me. It does not say I hold God. It says your right hand holds on to me. Guys, God is determined to do us good. Even when we are in the deepest, deepest holes, he holds on to us to keep us from slipping away. What else do you need to believe in this God? What else do you need? He's even telling you, even in that wilderness, even in that dark, deep night. You know, there's a saying in my mother tongue. I don't know for those who... Duma, dumanu. You know, darkness that is dark. Kind of weird, but yeah. As in the darkness is so hard, you could chop it. We all have those situations. Even if it's that day that a guy broke up with you. And you know what God is saying? He holds on to you. He's determined to make it work. So whose light are you chasing? He's holding on to you. You're not, you do not even need to hold him. He's holding on to you. He's not holding you. He's holding on to you because you may sleep up any moment. But he's holding on to you. Why? Because verse 9, those who seek to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. Because at one point or another, the situation is going to turn around. And he means to have you alive when the dawn breaks. Come on guys, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I was talking to my daughter one time and I shared with one or two of my friends here. I told her, you know when you're in the sea and there's a storm, the sailors keep rowing. They don't row because they are seeing light beyond the storm. They keep rowing because they need to keep the ship steady. Why? Because if they don't keep the ship steady, the storm is going to overrun them. And when dawn comes, it will find them drowned. How do you keep rowing? You need to keep rowing until the day dawns. Because the day is going to come after the night. And if we do not keep rowing, if we do not keep our ears close to the heart of Jesus, we are going to listen to other voices and we are going to give up because these voices cannot withstand that darkness. Amen? Amen? We are going to row because he says, those who seek to destroy my life will go into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the power of the sword. They will become jackal's prey. David realized this thing is going one day to come to an end. That's cool he promised you. You're going to go to school. That thing he said he will do. He will do, but you must keep rowing. Between your amen and the day the baby is born, how do you keep from faltering? How do you keep from having a Hagar in your life? How do you keep from going to the wilderness of Midian for 40 years like Moses? 
How do you keep standing next to Jesus like Jairus did? It's because you hear his voice. And he's saying, do not be afraid. Just believe. Hopelessness and fear are great killers of faith. And he says, do not be afraid. Now, what are you going to do today as you're seated there? Are you going to be of those that put their hands on the plow, put their hands on the plow and look back? Or are you going to be like David and choose? And choose to press on. Press on until that situation releases you. Press on and hold on. Or are you going to be like Abraham and listen to your wife Sarai? But then the things that speak to us, things that are opposite to the word of God, are things that are close to us. It could even be close friends. It could even be family. But they are not the ones who had God for you. You had God for yourself. If God said, I will make new in your life, it doesn't matter if umekuwa ukitolewa kwa mitaro, dead, drunk. If he said it, you are the one who had it. So what business have you got to go listen to your friend and he tells you, you know what, this can't happen to you? Did God really say that? If he has come and said you're forgiven, what business have you to go ask Dr. Google how to deal with it? What business? What business have you got to keep listening to the voice in your head telling you stuff? What business? What business have you? Before I read the last verse, I want to share a story from the book of 1 Kings chapter 13 as I come to an end. It's a fascinating story. Very, very fascinating. I kind of like it. And it's not a really good story. But um, So there's this prophet. Eh? He's been sent by God. 1 Kings chapter 13. A very fascinating situation. So this man of God has come from Judah. He's gone to Israel. By this time, the two countries have been split. And um, he's been given a revelation to go cast an altar that was being uh, sacrificed upon things to idols. So he does great things. And when he's leaving, the king is very angry and wants to arrest him. And then the king uh, gets leprosy and then the man of God prays for him and the king is so happy and tells him come I'll give you food and then in verse 8 but the man of God replied even if you were to give me half of your house I still wouldn't go with you and I wouldn't eat bread or drink water in this place verse 9 for this is what I was commanded by the word of God you must not eat bread or drink water or go back the way you came so this man has had something from God. He has gone and he's done the first action. Now he's in the second phase of it. You have said your amen and you're in the second phase of it, isn't it? So he goes. He actually even uses a different route. Meanwhile, what were my Kimbisha story? So these guys have Kimbisha a story to their dad who is an old prophet in Bethel and they tell him the things that have happened. And this old prophet, no, the Bible says he's an old prophet. He hears this story, he jazzes things on a donkey and chases after this younger prophet. So, 
amechoka njaa imemkaba kiu the sun is beating on his head but the word had said you must not eat anything or drink anything isn't it in fact you must not go back the way you came so the word is there and he seated there and he's now struggling he's traveling between his amen and the fruit and then this old prophet arrives and tells him um come home with me and eat bread that is verse 13 and this guy answers toot what i cannot go back with you eat bread or drink water with you in this place for a message came to me by the word of the lord you must not eat bread you must not drink water there or go back the way you came this is the king chabas 18 the old prophet says to him i am also a prophet like you an angel spoke to me by the word of the lord bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water the old prophet deceived him and here is the saddest part verse 19 and the man of god went back with him ate bread in his house and drank water Do you know how that story ends yeah so he gets killed by a lion because as soon as he's finished eating Um the word of the Lord comes to this old prophet and tells him you have rebelled against what the Lord told you. You went back, you ate bread, you did the things I told you not to. Your corpse will never reach the graves of your father. You are the one who is hearing the word of God. You are the one who has to fight for that word. You not your friend, not all your followers on IG not anybody else you are the one who knows you got born again you are the one who knows you had you are called into ministry you are the one who knows you had that you will go back to your village and change things you are the one not your friend not your circumstances not anything so during your amen and the end whose voice shall you listen to David finishes this verse this prayer in a fascinating way in verse 11 he says but the king will rejoice in God all who swear by him will boast for the mouths of liars will be shut every lie that is speaking against the word of God in your life will eventually be shut I want to ask us to be searchers to be like Jairus he listened he stood still he waited and he received his daughter back to life are we willing to let go are we willing to let go of every other light and let God's light shine in us and have that darkness chased away Now I don't know where you are at. Sometimes when you are at a pulpit like this and you're speaking to so many different people. Some of us would be at very good places, some of us could be at terrible valleys. But we are all sitting under the voice of God. And at one point or another, we will say amen. And then we'll have to wait. It could be a small thing as you're going to get married 
It could be a major thing that your mom's cancer is going to get healed. It could be a life-changing thing. You could be drowning in addictions and stuff and stuff. And God is saying you'll be a preacher to all the nations. And you're even beginning to wonder how your life will change. But you're seated there right now. And God is speaking this word to you. He's saying, between the amen and the fruition of the word in your life, Whose voice are you going to listen to? How will your faith stand? How is your faith standing now? And I don't know if you have chosen to watch out for other lights and they have sunk you into a hole that you are not being able to come out. Or probably as I shared, you realized I wasn't pressing in and you're willing to take a turn around. It isn't easy. Abraham waited years and years for the fulfillment of God's word. You know the hardest thing about God is you have to wait. For one reason or another, he does processes. When Samson was being born, I don't know if any of you caught that last week. He spoke to the mother and said, he will rescue my people God was talking that before the baby was born. Do you know how long that nation must have stayed waiting for Samson to be born, to grow up, to be an adult so that he can come and judge them? So for those ensuing years, probably 20, 25, I don't know at what age, Samson started judging. The promise of God was still waiting. But was it falling off? See, Samson was still growing. That's how God does it. That's how God does it. He knew the child has died, but he still waited to do something. And I don't want us to be of those who, when we cannot see God working, we believe he's not working. So I don't know where you are at now. I don't know what you've been fighting. I don't know whether your faith has faltered because of your own sin or because of the sin of others in your life. But regardless of where you are at, God is saying, I have a light that shines in this darkness and this darkness will not be able to overcome it. Will you keep rowing? Will you keep holding on until the day breaks? Until the darkness goes away? If you'd like to have grace today to keep rowing and you're there and you desire just for God to give you grace. And that grace is the one he's promised here in verse 8. He holds on to you. Raise up your hand and say, oh God, I've not been feeling you holding on to me. Hold on to me because I'm going to let go. Or I think I've let go. Or I let go. And I want you to stretch out your hand and reach for me into those deep darknesses of this situation that I'm in. Oh Lord, I never sought you in my situation, but I want to seek you. I want to try out this particular thing that I'm hearing. I want to be of those who hunger, who trust you for who you are. If you're there, I won't ask you to come to the front. I just want you to take a step of faith and raise your hand, and then we are going to pray. If you're there, and you want to turn your life around, and be like David, 
let the light of God shine in you. Raise up your hand. It's a statement of faith. I'm beginning to row. I'm beginning to row in my darkness. Just lift up your hand. Lord, I thank you for the hands that are being lifted up. And Father, probably there are some people in this room who would like to lift them up, but they are still fighting situations in their lives. They're not quite sure. They need to do this. Father, I pray that you may stir them. Father, I thank you because your word is neither null nor void in its acting. So Lord, you have spoken to us this morning. And Lord, you are light. You said you came into this earth and darkness has not comprehended it. And now Lord, I speak against every darkness in the lives of these hands that have been lifted up, oh God. May they see your goodness in this land of the living. You have promised in your word that no one who comes to you will be put to shame. So Lord, even as they give up on all other ways, as they give up on the lights that have been given to this world, as they come in, as they are pressing on to you, Lord. Father, see the desperation in some of these hearts. Father, see the pain and the tears and the horror. Father, see that they are trusting you and they are saying, God, I'm not going to look right or left. I'm not going to look down, Lord. I'm not going to look anywhere. I am looking up, Father. Lord, hear from heaven. Hear from heaven, Lord, because you are Father God. Hear from heaven and turn these situations around, oh God, because that's why you're here. You who was with David in that wilderness, you who restored him to his throne, you who established his name forever, so that when your son came to this earth, he was called of the house of David. Father, establish your word in the lives of these people. They have lifted their hands to you, O God. Establish them, Father. Show yourself faithful. Show yourself strong, O Father. Show, Father, that there is a God in heaven who intervenes upon the affairs of men. And show, Lord, in their lives that anyone who has put their trust in you truly is never put to shame. And Father, if there is anybody who is seated here right now, you may put your hands down. If there is somebody who is seated here right now and is not sure which way, Lord, you did not say in vain that we choose which path. Father, quicken their hearts to make a choice. Congregation, I just want to stir you with these words. If you have too much Jesus in you so that you cannot enjoy the world, or you have too much of the world in you that you cannot enjoy God, it is not going to work. Choose ye therefore. And I urge you by the mercies of God, no one who comes to the Lord will ever be put to shame. Try him. Try him try him. Ask him to put a hunger in you. And now Lord, I want to make that prayer. Lord, if there's anybody who is stretching out to you and they are willing and they are 
wondering how. Father, I pray that you may birth in us such a hunger for you, a hunger for your word, a hunger for the things of God that will come and overwhelm any other hunger. It will overwhelm the hunger for pornography. It will overwhelm the hunger for sex. It will overwhelm the hunger for love, human love. It will overwhelm any addictions in us. It will overwhelm even the hunger and the thirst for drink, oh God. Whatever hunger is there, Father, that is hindering us from feeling hungry for you, from feeling thirsty for you, King of glory in heaven, won't you come down? Won't you help, Father? Lord, you can see the cries of some of the people in this room and they're saying, God, I want to, but I don't know how to. I can't. Father, you can. Your God in heaven, O oh Lord. Bath in us such a hunger that will overwhelm everything else, Lord. And when we come looking for you, Lord, you are the bread of life, Father. Fill our hearts, O oh God. Change us and transform us. Do something so amazing that when people see this, they see us, O oh Lord. When they see the young people in this household, they will say, for certain they have been with God something different has happened we are not the same people that we were oh God chase us until you catch us birth in us such a hunger oh Lord that only you can satisfy cause us to turn to you with all our hearts with all our minds with all our souls and with all our flesh and Lord when we come to you because you said you never turn anyone fill us fill us. You say you are the water of life. Fill us until that thirst is gone, oh God. And Father, I want to commission everybody here to your grace because they have heard your word, because they have listened to it, oh God. Do something new in their lives. Let them know that they met with the King of Glory today because you have done something. Lord, roll out burdens that have been stuck. Roll out fears that have been stuck. Roll out doubts that have been stuck on us, oh God. Father, we believe. We stretch out and so we receive. We receive, King of glory. Jehovah God, move in this place, meeting us at every point of need. Lord, release people from prisons and captivities, Father. There are people who want out. Get them out, Father. It is for freedom that you set us free. Lord, so for those who are walking out of bondages, Lord, here, may they walk away and never go back. It is for freedom that you have set us free. Father, is somebody's hope gone? Are they down? Have they given up? Are they tired? Are they weary? Lord, as we press in into you, renew our hearts. Father, refuel us, oh Father. Restore us. Restore in us the joy of your salvation. Father, let none of us walk out without a miracle from you. Even if the miracle is as small as, Lord, hope being birthed new. Father, and for every word that you had spoken and we shelved it, birth in it afresh in us. And Lord, as we speak our amen today, as we lift our heads after this prayer, 
oh God, we believe you will hold on to us so that our faith, when it's being shaken, we will stand. We will stand because you are our substance of things hoped for. You are our evidence of things not yet seen. And in this faith, we now say our amen. Amen. God bless you so much, Katie.